Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then he then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right. Welcome to episode number 117 of Grow Bud Yourself. We got a great show in store for you guys. We're going to run down some news. We have an interview with David Goodman, the author of An American Cannabis Story. Uh, We got Strain of the Fortnite. We're going to be answering some grow questions, talking about low stress training and helping you grow better bud. All brought to you by Seeds Here Now, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Excelsior Extracts, and Prime Superior Inoculant. Stick around for Grow Bud Yourself. Episode 117 is coming at you. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at Sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. All right, welcome back. Here it is, episode 117. Thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the Grow Bud Yourself theme song. You guys are awesome. Uh, we love you. We hope you're having fun at the summer festivals, performing reggae, uh, DJing, and uh, smoking some spliffs out there in the world. So, uh, yeah, here we are, episode 117. How you feeling, Mike? You know, feeling pretty good. It's been a very rainy summer here in New York, but other than other than that, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, that's true. It has been rainy. I mean, the plants are are, are out there thriving, uh, the, but there's even been some some uh, you know some flooding and some some tough uh, over over rain. <laughs> you know, too much all too at much once. Too much rain. Yeah. All yeah, too much all at once. You know, so we'd love to spread that out a little bit, and hopefully. Uh, there'll be less of that in the fall. And so our plants will be nice and healthy in the fall when they're, when they're flowering. Exactly. Yes. So 117 episodes of this thing. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It's, it's, it's crazy to think about, you know, looking back uh, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of info, a lot of fun times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's, it's a lot. There's a lot to talk about with cannabis and there's also a, Aside from growing it, there's always cannabis news to talk about. So maybe we should talk about some of that. Yeah. Yeah. What's been going on out there? I know New York, uh, you know, it's a bunch of new new card uh, applicants got their applications this week. And uh, even something really interesting I read about farmers markets, which is something I've been talking about so much. And I think, you know, I got to go and look at the uh, actual paperwork and see what that's all about. But um, it sounds like they're even looking to approve uh, farmers market style cannabis sales. 
Um, all right. Well, let's let's talk about some other states. We'll we'll get back to New York eventually, but um, let's kick things off in Missouri. And uh, Missouri has been selling recreational cannabis since February of this year, and it's selling, believe it or not, roughly four million dollars of weed a day on average. And last month, and that would be June. Uh, the state hit a record of $121.2 million in adult use sales in the month of June. And since adult use sales launched earlier this year, uh, the recreational sales have actually overtaken medical pot sales in Missouri. Uh, however, the state has sold a total of $592.4 million of adult use and medical cannabis products combined since retail sales first became legal. And since 2020, the state has sold more than $1.2 billion of cannabis. So pretty incredible. And then over in Michigan, which also starts with an M, uh, recreational pot, also very popular. The state reached its own marijuana sales record in June, selling a whopping $261 million of cannabis when you combine uh, both recreational and medical sales. However, more than $254 million of the $261 million record came just from adult use sales. So medical sales not, not contributing a ton to that record. It's mostly adult use. And it's particularly interesting that Michigan is hitting record highs in sales right now, considering the price of pot in the Wolverine state is at extreme lows. So an ounce of cannabis on the adult use market in Michigan right now sells for about $90 an ounce. At the end of 2021, just a little over a year and a half ago now, um, that same ounce was going for about $180 on average, so cut by half. Uh, so pretty interesting. They're, they're hitting these record sales, and, and the price of pot is so low. Uh, in case you were wondering, flour accounted for the majority of Michigan's record cannabis sales, followed by vape carts and then edibles. And then we should also mention that over in Massachusetts, recreational cannabis sales also reached a record high in June. Three record highs in June. They sold nearly $152 million of pot products, the highest sales number for any month in Massachusetts since that state kicked off retail sales in November 2018. So it's been a very good summer so far for M states, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, nothing better than Rick record sales. Uh, and as far as price goes, I mean, if the farmers are still making money at that price, there's nothing wrong with that. I think uh, we talk about this a lot, but the reason cannabis costs so much in the past is because of prohibition. Uh, in the absence of prohibition, it should definitely be much cheaper. Um, certainly not 250 to $400 an ounce. Uh, it doesn't cost nearly that much to produce uh, high quality cannabis. So uh, it certainly shouldn't Re remain that expensive to the consumer. And I think, you know, people have gotten away with that for a little while uh, until, you know, someone else undercuts them. And, uh, but those prices are based in prohibition era uh, costs of an eighth of, you know, 3.5 grams of cannabis should not be $50 uh, in, in a legal environment. And uh, so, you know, the market will figure itself out. It will find uh, a place where it can be and hopefully sustainable for the farmers and the consumers. Yeah, absolutely. You'd still, you'd have to say $90 for an ounce is, is pretty damn low, but, 
but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But the fewer middlemen also the better. I mean, if you can right. go direct farmer to consumer, then it's, it's reasonable. But the, the minute you start adding uh, more and more middlemen to mm-hmm. that, the, the then it, the farmer's making less and the consumer's getting less and, and the middlemen are unnecessary. And so to me, let's go, f- you know, farm to, to bong. <laughs> you know, yeah. We, we, there's no no need for for a a, a bunch of middlemen, Absolutely. or women, <laughs> right? Yeah, men or women. Okay, so uh, let's move on. This is an interesting one here. Uh, noted rapper, cannabis advocate, and enjoyer uh, Wiz Khalifa. He was asked to throw out the first pitch at a Pirates game earlier this week, and that makes sense because uh, Pittsburgh is Khalifa's hometown. Also, not surprisingly, Khalifa decided to throw out the first pitch while uh, both high and also tripping on shrooms. And we know this because he told everybody about his plan on social media, even tweeting out that, quote, shroomed out throwing a baseball is crazy. And it is kind of crazy. I mean, just imagine being in a stadium with tens of thousands of fans, or I guess it was a Pirates game, so tens of fans were there but um just lots of eyes on you and cameras and professional baseball men all around and khalifa went out there and he did the damn thing he tossed out the first pitch quote uh high af and it was not a good pitch i saw it it was definitely low and away but who cares because in his own really unique way he got people talking about cannabis including pennsylvania senator john fetterman who publicly endorsed Khalifa's plan to throw out the first pitch while stoned. Although reports indicate Fetterman may not have been aware of Khalifa's plan to also be uh, shroomed out while he threw out the first pitch, Um, his support appeared to be mostly just about the cannabis part. Uh, (laughs) Interestingly, the Pirates now have a bit of history of guys taking the mound while tripping. As we all know, the story of Doc Ellis, the Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher, who famously threw a no-hitter in 1970 while fully tripping on LSD. And if you don't know that story, do yourself a favor and look it up. Uh, There's great articles and videos available that tell you the whole amazing story. But uh, yeah, Wiz Khalifa, I suppose you could say following in Doc Ellis's footsteps a little bit. And I'm going to guess in your response, you would like to mention Bill Lee as well. (laughs) Of course, my favorite, (laughs) the spaceman Bill Lee. Uh, lefty pitcher for the Boston Red Sox and uh, Montreal Expos, um, and uh, also a friend of the Halflings Leaf and uh, fungal and uh, you know those type of medicines as well. So uh, great to hear also that the these professional sports leagues are starting to ease up on these type of rules against cannabis and uh, allowing uh, players to use use cannabis. It's pretty awesome uh, and. You know, we live in a, n- a new era of uh, openness when it comes to this sort of thing. And people do- don't have to hide and they can tell their stories. And, you know, the- there's a great Doc Ellis uh, documentary uh, out there um, that you can check out. I think it's on Netflix. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sports on drugs, man. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And as we've mentioned uh, in previous episodes, uh, NBA is now... Um totally okay with with cannabis they're not testing for or punishing players for using cannabis they could even invest low-key invest but still invest in cannabis companies um yeah uh, i think we we mentioned the nfl is funding um uh, cbd research into uh, concussions and also as an alternate for opioids so good stuff all around and uh, thank you Wiz khalifa for keeping the conversation going it's the 
it's summer, it's time to talk about baseball, it's time to also get stoned, maybe see a baseball game stoned. So all good stuff. Absolutely. Or on shrooms. Or on shrooms, yes. Uh, so as Dan mentioned, um, the, the licenses that were approved in New York, it was 200 social equity retail licenses, and also the plan to allow growers to sell marijuana uh, to uh, consumers directly at farmers markets. So that's that's very exciting stuff that's happening right now in New York, which has been slow to implement its uh, adult use retail plan, but seems to be uh, catching up a little bit and also uh, coming up with some innovative ways to uh, to get the product to the consumer. Um, but on the other side of things, unfortunately, uh, it's not all great news. Um, Republicans in the state leg legislature are more concerned with banning uh, cannabis smoking in public places than they are about rolling out a respectable adult use retail program. And uh, when the when the legalization law first passed, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was it stated that that cannabis could be consumed anywhere that tobacco could be. Right. Correct. Right. So um, the, the the Republicans in the state legislature for New York are uh, are basically throwing the think of the children card out here. Um, saying, quote, state residents, including children, are now regularly assailed with the pungent odor of marijuana on public sidewalks and parking lots and other public spaces. Many New Yorkers don't want to be exposed to either the effects of marijuana smoke or its smell and don't want their children subjected to it. So they would like to make it a $125 fine for consuming marijuana in any public space. And um, it just seems maybe they they they've lost the uh, the strain here we're 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 going in the opposite direction and i think kind of trying to hold back the uh, the flow is is maybe not going to be the best plan long term absolutely agreed um it sounds like they're even looking to approve uh farmers market style cannabis sales which is very exciting for me cuz that's really uh you know kind of a pet pet project of mine yeah they should they should call that like the Danny Danko Memorial Law or something because you've been on the the farmers market idea for years and years now. Well, I mean, also it's not it wasn't my original idea. I've actually seen these things in action, and I think that's you know ultimately the way I the way the best way um, for someone who's not growing their own um, to get a, a high quality product is from a local farmer. You know, nice jars of of locally grown small batch you know organics clean uh regenerative cannabis right and you've definitely been uh, advocating for it here in new york for a while now so if they do end up going with a model like that it would be uh it would be pretty cool to see i think absolutely totally and that's where that's where you'll find me <laughs> <laughs> well there you have it uh that is what's going on in the world of weed but we have a very interesting uh, interview coming up yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's David Goodman. He's the photographer and author of An American Cannabis Story. Uh, the book details Puffin Farms, uh, a regenerative, sun-grown family farm growing high-quality weed in Washington State. Um, and he comes at this, you know, as a photographer uh, first and takes beautiful photos, but also describes uh, this amazing farm. And I got to... Uh, work with him on an article in High Times years ago about it. And then he was able to turn that into this beautiful, amazing coffee table book called An American Cannabis Story. Um, so why don't we take a break and come back and speak with the author and photographer, David Goodman. 
Whether you're growing from seed or from clone, Prime Superior's simple, safe, and effective products can take your cultivation program to the next level. Prime Superior offers a two-step process that will benefit any garden. This is possible thanks to Prime Superior's proprietary strain of Bovaria bassiana, which is optimized for plants and sets up a symbiosis that increases terpenes, cannabinoids, and yield. Simply coat your seed to inoculate and aid rapid germination or dip your clone cutting with the world's first biological cloning honey and improve growth the way nature intended. Next, continue maintenance on your crop with foliar or fog applications of Prime Superior's Drench, which will boost your plant's growth and ensure a healthy harvest. Best of all, the Drench will work with already established gardens, so anyone at any stage of growth can achieve a cleaner crop with better yields. I gotta tell you, I use this stuff myself, not just on my cannabis, but on houseplants as well, and everything has greened up. Everything is super healthy, whether it's the seed coating product, the cloning honey, which is incredible. The drench is absolutely great. It comes in a spray bottle, uh, pre-mixed, so it's ready to be sprayed. This stuff is incredible. And I have literally noticed more cannabinoids and more terpenes. So it really is an amazing product. And now's the time to try Prime Superior and the world's first biological cloning honey. Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the code PS420 for 15% off their entire order at primesuperior.com. So don't hesitate, inoculate, and visit primesuperior.com today to learn more. All right, welcome back. Uh, we have a special guest for you guys this week. Uh, we I just had the pleasure of uh, doing a uh, meet and greet for his uh, newest book uh, here in Brooklyn at Powerhouse Books. Um, David Goodman, he's an accomplished American photographer. He's the author of An American Cannabis Story and the photographer uh, who shot all the amazing photographs. Uh, he's been a photographer since a very young age and had his photos appearing in uh, prestigious publications, including the New York Times, Vogue magazine, The Advocate, and Huffington Post. Um, this new book is an amazing uh, document of a American cannabis farm, a family farm growing cannabis in Washington. And uh, I had the pleasure of also meeting the people of the farm and David as well. So uh, welcome to the show, David Goodman. It's great to be here, Dad. It's it's uh, the last time I saw you, we had a really great time together at that party. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was awesome. We had a bunch of people there uh, at the premiere of the book, uh, and we did a sort of a, 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 a short chat about uh, you and the farm and how this all came about. Uh, why don't we uh, revisit that briefly, and you can just uh, tell our listeners about uh, yourself and how you got involved in uh, an American cannabis story. Well, I've been a photographer for most of my life. And uh, I had a unique opportunity to, uh, to photograph and to get into this particular farm, Puffin Farm, in Washington State, uh, a little agricultural town outside of Ellensburg. And it happens to be owned by my two nieces, uh, my niece's husband and my brother, who is my niece's uncle also. And they formed a partnership uh, to open this farm. Now, Jade and Ben had been uh, farming in Washington State uh, during the medical marijuana uh, situation. The laws were different before they had uh, the new recreational uh, laws, the I-502 uh, laws that uh, have uh, legalized recreational cannabis. 
But uh, when it, it came along that uh, it, it became available to them to open up a, a, a farm, an actual legal cannabis farm under the new regulations, they jumped at the chance and uh, they got it open in really short measure, which is all detailed in the book. But um, I saw an opportunity there to show the world and to discover for myself um, what, if, what, what happened on this farm. I had never seen even a live cannabis plant before in my life until I visited this farm. I did not know what it looked like. To me, the only cannabis that I knew was the kind that you got in little baggies, you know, you ready to roll up and, and enjoy. But um, I was blown away by the, the beauty of the plants, the colorfulness of it, all the, the different varieties, the different shapes and sizes of the plants, the leaves, uh, the way the flowers grew, the way they formed. Uh, there was just so much for me to take pictures of. It was just like it was a cornucopia of just wonderful, uh, beautiful things that I could photograph. And as I was doing that, I was also uh, asking a lot of questions and finding out how they farm, why they do the things the, the, the way they do it, how do they select uh, their their plants, their uh, their genealogy, and um, and uh, what is their philosophy? Uh, and I found all this out, and it was just all fascinating. Uh, so it, it it became, you know, initially to try uh, uh, a project to document everything that went on on the farm, and I would go out there uh, every month for a week or two to see the stage of the farm at that moment. So from the time they planted it uh, to the time that they would grow it, you know, to the time when they would harvest it and, and, and dry it and cure it, I wanted to document everything to really capture what goes on on this farm. And, I, and it had to be done at that moment in time, which I started this five years, five, almost six years ago now. Uh, it had to happen then because these were pioneers. This was a brand new fledgling industry. And I felt this is something that it's historic that's happening right now. And uh, I felt, uh, I, I went on this mission because it was so fascinating to me. And when I took the photos back to New York, where I live, um, and I showed it to my friends, people were astounded. They said, I've never seen anything like this. So I said, this is something going on here. The world has not seen this. The only thing we knew about farming was it was done in the backwoods. It had to be hidden or it had to be grown indoors hydroponically because it wasn't legal. But now it is. And now it's being done in a way that is uh, wholesome. It's, it, it, it's, uh, it's a new form of agriculture. And these are the pioneers. And everyone in my book is a pioneer from uh, Jaden Ben to uh, the cannabis reverend, Jeff Wilhoit, who is the extracts expert to Jerry Whiting, who with his LeBlanc uh, hashish and with his CBD strains, Dr. Ethan Russo, who is the pioneer of uh, teaching the entourage effect, Aaron Varney, who, who is the uh, uh, recreated how uh, the modern dispensary is designed. And of course, Vivian McPeak, who, uh, who started uh, Seattle Hemp Fest, which is, you know, I hope it's still going, but I have some great shots of Seattle Hemp Fest, you know, and its very last live uh, version, which, is, which was 2019. And of course, then the pandemic hit, so that, that it's been out since then, but I'm hoping it'll come back because it's such a great festival. But um, 
And little by little, you know, I, I, I met all these people and, and I said, you know, Dr. Russo has to be in the book. I mean, here I am learning about the entourage effect and here's the guy who sort of like is the entourage, you know, Johnny Appleseed. He's uh, spreading the word all over the land. Um, and I was really fortunate to have some really amazing people, some, some, some of the best experts in, in, in the field. And, and interestingly enough, Danny, you helped me kick off this book because, um, you know, <laughs> it's a funny story. You know, when I was out there taking pictures, um, I sent you some pictures of what I was taking on the farm. You, you, you wrote back to me, this is great. You know, uh, get, send in an article, send in the pictures, we'll run it. And, um, and then I started to sit down to write the beginning of what became my book. And of course it ended up in the, I think it was the August issue of, uh, of High Times, which was really exciting. We got 10 pages, it was a great spread, a great story. You chopped it down a little bit, <laughs> a, little, a little bit, a little bit edited, but it was still great. It was a lot of fun to be in, in the magazine that I've admired for so many years. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, and, uh, it turned out really great. And, and this is um, the message that we're sending out. You know, it's an inside story of what goes on on the farm. Plus, it's a really cool little love story. It's a little history of Jade and Ben and how they met in high school. It's kind of like a cute, you know, young romance, and uh, which led to a real passion for farming. So it's sort of like the love and the farming thing went together with cannabis. And, you know, it's just a recipe for wonderfulness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, what's interesting is I was I was there in Washington uh, to basically do an article on the contrasts of, of two very different farms, House of Cultivar and Puffin Farm, which you cover in the book and that article. Um, one being uh, very high tech indoor grow uh, lights and HVAC systems and and very sophisticated using tissue culture and all of that. And then the Puffin Farm visit, seeing sun grown outdoor, um, you know, a family farm and everything that they had going, which was beyond organic, uh, you know, brewing their own compost teas and and all of that. Um, and. You mentioned also uh, Dr. Russo and the entourage effect, uh, but you also go, uh, you talk about a lot about terpenes uh, and terpene production, and also a little bit about the oversimplification of the sativa indica hybrid sort of uh, model for understanding the different strains, which we now call cultivars, uh, because, you know, the word strain isn't, isn't really quite as... Uh, as accurate either. Um, and I find that I find that very interesting as well, because that's uh the that's cutting edge information. That's information that most of uh, uh general consumers of cannabis don't understand. Uh and and most people haven't seen this, the the process from from seed to harvest, uh, which you 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 take people through on this family farm. It's pretty amazing. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, you know terpenes and that whole indica sativa mythology oh my god that covers like about five chapters in the book <laughs> because <laughs> right. first we, we have we sort of lay out and and, and it's and it's done in order too that's why i hope people will read the book from from beginning to end it's very tempting and i do it myself when i pick up a book like this i go to the back and i flip through it to look from the back to the front and i look at all the pictures but 
it's laid out in such a way that the, the, the information adds up. And first we talk about what terpenes are, and then it goes into how it works in, in, in congruence with, uh, with, uh, with, with the cannabinoids. You know, a lot of people, when they buy their weed, the first thing they think of is what's the percentage of THC? Oh, I want 21% of One of uh, Ben's favorite strains is something that they developed themselves called Puff and Purple. And it has 13% THC, which by any standard is a high level. You know, when, when, when I remember what, what they told me that the percentage that I smoked when I was in college was like maybe two or 3%. And it was, it was good. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it was great. And now everyone wants 18, 19, 20, 21. I want 100% THC. Whatever it is, they just want the highest level. This 13% THC strain has an, has an array of terpenes that make it even better than something much higher in THC. But, but the bottom line is um, THC obviously has a certain effect on you but it changes drastically. You could have four different strains with the same level of THC and they could all be completely different. So what's the difference? The difference is the other components of the, of the cannabis. And that is primarily terpenes. Terpenes are the aromatic uh, compounds that uh, give, uh, the, give lemon, that give peaches, that give any fruit its, its distinctive aroma, many plants. We all know this, but a lot of people don't know this. I didn't know this until I went out to Puffin Farm and, and studied it and learned about it. Um, the entourage effect, according to Dr. Russo, in fact, why don't I just read a quote from Dr. Russo because no one says it better than him. Oh, are we talking about the entourage effect? Or are we talking about the Indica Sativa myth? Well, let's do the entourage effect first. The entourage effect. <laughs> um, the entourage effect. Um, basically tells you that there's synergy of the ingredients in cannabis that boost the level of THC and alter the way it affects you. That's, I, I don't know how else to say it. it, it the entourage effect is, is basically tells you that it's not just the THC or the CBD in the cannabis that gives you the effect that you're going for, but it's everything that's in it. And uh, that's been proven to be true in the past, what, 30 years since it's been discovered. Um, regarding indica and sativa, that is sort of like an offshoot of what we're talking about when we talk about the entourage effect, because, you know, people will tell you, oh, I like a sativa or I'm an indica person. I really want to be mellow and low key. Or, I'm a sativa person. I want to be up. I want to be creative. I want to be energetic. And none of that is really true, but we have learned to use these terms uh, even even people who know about the entourage effect will talk about a sativa because what they're talking about is the effect that somebody wants. It could be an indica that you're smoking, but it may have a certain entourage of, of cannabinoids and terpenoids that will give you an up, creative, happy feeling. Um, and you might think it's a sativa, but nobody knows where they, what they really are anymore because they're so, they're so mixed, it's so much hybrid. The only difference between a sativa and indica, if they're really a pure indica and sativa, is the leaf morphology and the way it grows. You know, and someone came up, it was like an old wives' tale that, oh, because indica grows short and stout, you know, you're going to be short and stout and lay on the couch. And because sativa leaves grow skinny and tall, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an up happy high. Well, the morphology doesn't tell you what, what the chemical profile is. And that's what uh, Dr. Russo talks about. 
you know, you have to really analyze the entire chemical profile to, in order to be able to understand or predict what a specific strain will do. Um, so uh, the whole idea that a sativa or an indica will always behave a certain way in, in, in the body um, is a fallacy. And people need to open themselves up to understanding terpenes and understanding what the individual terpenes do in, in conjunction with the, with the uh, cannabinoids and the percentages involved. And that's a science that still needs to be developed further. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, one other thing I would add to that is, is uh, that sun-grown cannabis actually exhibits uh, a higher amount of these terpenes, flavonoids, and cannabinoids. So even though, you know, there's people who who prefer indoor because of uh, bud structure and all of that, it's really outdoor that achieves what the plant is trying to accomplish. Uh, it, you can't you can't recreate uh, the full spectrum of sunshine indoors, and that's what makes this this farm one one of the things that makes this farm so amazing, and the photos so amazing because you shoot a lot of. Uh, you know, early morning, uh, you know, uh, sunset photos, even nighttime photos um, in a way that I feel, you know, your background in photography and and not so much cannabis photography in, in particular uh, gives you a different way of looking at the field, looking at the plants, looking at the whole process and uh, makes made it very interesting for me and, and is why that, you know, you got that 10 page spread in high times as well, because uh you know, normally our articles are shorter than that, but this was just visually so stunning and something so unique to show people as well, a legal outdoor uh, family farm, you know, that's beyond organic. I mean, certified, uh, you know, as uh, sun and earth uh, certified, meaning, you know, a negative carbon footprint, ideally. I mean, fixing nitrogen in the soil, using sunshine only pretty much for, for the process. Um, feeding with uh, organic nutrients, uh, also using organic uh, pest control uh, and all of that beneficial. And you also take people through the harvest and the cure, uh, which a lot of larger farms don't don't really focus too much on that, the curing process. And you mentioned uh, Jeff Wilhoyt. He's the cannabis reverend and he's, he's the extraction artist uh, for Puffin Farms. Um, and you also take people through some of the different extractions, which I found very interesting. I mean, there was the Moroccan dry sift, um, flower rosin, hash rosin, and and I think people know a lot about that. But there's also EVFO, extra virgin flower oil, which I found very interesting. <laughs> um, when I explain to people about rosin, I tell them, you know, it's like when you squeeze uh, an olive to get that. EVOO, the extra virgin olive oil. And I yeah. think the process here is quite, quite similar. And can you talk a little bit about uh, Jeff's contributions uh, at Puffin Farm and, and, and the different extractions? Um, well, Jeff, Jeff was amazing. Uh, he actually demonstrated about, oh, about four or five of those processes for me for the camera. And he explained everything to me. And yeah, he really is in charge of uh, making all the hash, the bubble hash, uh, the oil, you know, which is a big seller for them. You know, the oil is important. Everybody loves those va the vaping pens and all that. And theirs are, I, I've never, 
I'm not much of a vape person, but their vape is, you know, made from a full flower extract. It's not a distillate. You're not just smoking the THC, which is not really great anyway by itself, especially if you listen to Eric, to uh, Dr. Russo about that. He says it's a lousy drug. Um, but, um, you know, you get the full profile, so you get the full effect and you get the full flavor of, of the uh, of the flower. Um, and, you know, it, it, you have to really know how to do it. And Jeff is a real artist at it. It's a science, but, you know, you also have to have a feel for it. And he's really great at that. Um, so, yeah, and he's been with Jade and Ben for quite a long time. They were friends even before the whole cannabis. Uh, you know, they all come from a, a glass blowing background. You know, my brother's glass blowing studio, which is, you know, basically the whole fulcrum of how this farm got started. You know, he opened up, he became a very well-known and very accomplished glass blowing artist. And um, Jade, you know, moved there and, and Serena moved there because they you know, they wanted to, you know, get involved with the glass blowing. And, and at the same time, they also got involved with cannabis. So uh, uh, they, all, they all go back, you know, to that period together. So it's, it's, where, it's where they all got started and they all moved along together. So it was a, it's a good history together. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the words that comes up quite often, and you mentioned earlier is wholesome. The story, if it didn't involve cannabis, is is a story that's hundreds or even, you know, thousands of years old. It's the family farm. uh, It's two people falling in love and putting their passion into the thing that they grow on their farm. And here it just happens to be cannabis. Uh, but there are also um, some high CBD uh, cannabis here as well. Um, you go through a lot of the Puffin signature cultivars. Um, you know, the, the 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 back end of the book is a lot of real 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 beauty shots of the individual different cultivars that they grow, as well as commentary from them on on those uh, on those cultivars. Can you talk a little bit about that, uh, and in particular that that dance hall strain? Because um, in my knowledge, uh, dance hall is the original CBD rich strain from which all the others uh, basically come from. That original reggae seeds in Spain dance hall was the first high testing T uh, CBD rich strain um, available. I think to the general public. Uh, way back when so uh and i think it plays a special role on at puffin farm also oh yeah um and i did not know that about dance hall until you told me that last week about it being the original cbd strain um i know that it is the favorite strain of uh, a lot of people who are actually at puffin you know that that's their strain in fact serena um my niece serena jade's sister who's also a partner in the farm, she says that's the only thing she likes. She only smokes that strain. She says it just makes her feel grounded. It makes her, it, 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 it's good for anxiety. And uh, she said it just makes her feel just good in life. CBD, of course, it doesn't create euphoria. You don't get high from it, but it is psychoactive. It, it does create a sense of wellness without a sense of euphoria. So that's why people say, I guess it's a, an antidepressant or that it, uh, it helps you relax. It helps people sleep. Um, but um, there's a lot of people who love that strain. But there's also that strain remedy. You know, yeah. remedy is that strain. There's that story in my book about River Barclay, the little girl who had bark, who had Batten disease, 
And uh, it's, a, it's a really heartwarming story. I probably can't even talk too much about it because it always brings tears to my eyes. But it's a little girl who um, had uh, intractable seizures, you know, dozens of them in a day, if you can imagine. And it was um, by, by some sort of a miracle that her father came across Remedy. And it's the only strain out of everything that he tried that stopped River's seizures. Now, interestingly enough, and this is also in the book, um, he also bought, he figured Puffin Farm, it's another CBD strain, he bought the dance hall and he extracted the dance hall. But the dance hall didn't do anything for River's seizures. The remedy worked for her, for this particular thing. And it was probably a certain, uh, Jade sums it up. She thinks it's a, a, what was the, I forget this, one of the terpenes that she thinks might be the pining in it that um, the beta pining is what is what alpha and beta pining is 0.60 percent which is a significant amount and yeah, she thinks for, for that might be that might be what stopped river seizures but we don't really know any of this until it becomes legally federally so that federal dollars can be given towards research which is what we don't have right now yeah no, absolutely. But uh, regarding the the, the um the, the final chapter, which is what you originally asked me about this, is the final chapter is a culmination of everything that we talk about in the book. Because yes, it's it's a it's a it's a portfolio of some of the most beautiful flowers that grow in their field, but it's also an analysis of uh, the cannabinoids and the terpenoids and the um the entourage of each strain, but it's also uh, an analysis by each of the principles of the farm of how they react and what they feel about each strain. And I interviewed them separately so that they could not eat, hear each other. And what I found fascinating was that in many cases, they had a very similar uh, effect. They had a very similar feeling about the strain of what it did to them. But in some cases, they had completely opposite effects. One person said that a strain helps them sleep and the other one says it makes them feel alert and creative mm -hmm. so uh it just shows you that we all have individual endocannabinoid systems and 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 you know if you're interested in finding out what cannabis can do it, it's there's it, a whole adventure out there because you can try so many different strains and see how they work yeah yeah and, and it's something <laughs> and it affects different people differently and so you really need to find the one that that's right for you you may have just some of the people who who uh, are turned off by cannabis may have just not found the right variety. And as you mentioned, uh, a high CBD strain like uh, uh, like Remedy worked uh, for that particular patient, but uh, Dancehall didn't. And that sometimes has to do uh, with terpenes, but also you know the ratio of CBD to THC. Exactly. You know the four to one, the ten to one, that that sort of thing. And those are the things that we we can discover. Uh, when we put more science into this effort, uh, at, you know, as things become more legal, and two two of the uh, cultivars in particular appealed to me a lot because I used to grow. Let them. me guess. Let me guess. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> Strawberry cough. Of course, yeah, that's kind okay, of a sign gotcha. signature one it. for me. I yeah. knew that. <laughs> yeah, that's a favorite of mine forever. Uh, and the Sensi Star, in 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 particular, also I, I that's one I grew for many years. Uh, kept uh, mothers uh, of, uh, and they're basically to me almost like polar opposites in a, in a way. Um, Sensi Star being, you know, typical kind of indica uh, variety, very frosty, and then the cough being more on the uplifting side. 
Um, but they also have, I, I mean, I consider Puffin's signature strain really to be the Hindu Kush. And Absolutely. yeah, let's no talk a little about bit about, let's talk a little bit about that because it's very unique and different. Um, and I, I think the particular phenotype uh, that they have as their cultivar is just a standout. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that one? Well, it's uh, it's a Landrace strain, first of all. Um, I believe, according to Ben, it's clone only. And I don't know where they got their original clones, but the one they have is an amazing phenotype. And I've never smoked anything like it. I didn't know that cannabis could be that way. In fact, when people ask me what my favorite strain is, because they've got so many great strains, I set that aside. I said, because it's not fair to compare Hindu Kush with any other strain. That's sort of like in a class by itself. It's almost not even cannabis. It's almost like it's a completely different exotic plant that until you try it, you will never understand what we're talking about. Because they also have like, their nine pound hammer is great. Their, uh, their lemon OG is amazing. They have an incredible phenotype for Gorilla Glue number four. Uh, I'm sorry, GG number four. And also <laughs> Girl Scout cookies. I'm sorry, wait, GSC. Um, uh, not, that right, we have that. to comply but, but, legally. <laughs> but, what, but the two things that you said, I first tried the Sensi Star uh, very late in the game because they've got like 40 different strains. And, you know, when you're out there, you only want to smoke the Hindu Kush if you can, if, if you know, if they'll, if they'll let you roll some up. I mean, you'll take that. In fact, <laughs> when I was out there, Ben, the only thing he ever smoked was Hindu Kush. He didn't smoke anything else. And he had so many great strains to smoke. I think occasionally he'll smoke a CBD strain. But um, what you said, the Sensi Star, wonderful. I love that one. But I didn't really go for the strawberry cough. Everybody loved it. Everyone said it was one of their favorite strains. Somehow I didn't like it. But something weird happened. Because like a year later, uh, I was out there and I rolled up some strawberry cough. And all of a sudden, it tasted different. It just tasted good to me. And now, I, does, does, does your system change? Do, the way, do you adapt to a strain differently? Does that ever happen to you where like, you don't like something, then you smoke it two weeks later, and you go, wow, this is great. What was I missing? <laughs> does that work? Yeah. I don't understand I, the endocannabinoid system. I don't understand it, but mm -hmm. it plays tricks on you. Yeah. I mean, even a lot of times people, the first time they smoke, they feel nothing. You know, And then it's only the second or third time really? where they actually feel any sort of effect and i think that's you're sort of priming your endocannabinoid system somehow that's a good and, way to put it yeah <laughs> right um and uh but i i want to get back to really what sets this place apart um uh, because to me it's the most important thing uh in, in stark contrast to any large-scale commercial grows that that i visit um that really use a lot of electricity a lot of water um, potentially pesticides, uh, certainly uh, a lot of light and HVAC systems and things. This is all about regenerative, regenerative agriculture practices. And this is putting more into the soil than you're taking out. You're adding worm castings, you're adding biochar, alpha meal, kelp, uh, compost teas, and, and all of that. And I think they go above and beyond um, to create this amazing, beautiful product. And they only get one harvest a year i mean they're at the mercy of nature uh so i know it's very difficult and they're coming up on a decade uh, and they've had their ups and downs and i think you know what's beautiful about this book aside from just how beautifully photographed it is is that it's showing the way it should be 
the cannabis I want to purchase, uh, the cannabis that a, an informed consumer should go out of their way to purchase because it's sun grown, because it's grown with love and 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 the right type of practices. And I fear that that will go away because enough people are, just want to go into their like Apple store boutique spot and purchase whatever the cheapest, you know, highest rated THC product might be, whether it's, you know, even a vape pen or a, a gummy and they're missing out on what you get from this amazing sun-grown crop and carefully curated crop. And that's, you know, that's the story that's told here, aside from it just being, you know, the family farm and all the struggles of that, but also going above and beyond. And I think if the producer is going to go in above and beyond, we as consumers should also go above and beyond and purchase the product, vote with our pocketbook and 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 purchase the thing we want to see more of. Or it'll it'll be gone. I mean, it's not all perfect for them, right? I mean, they've been through a lot of trials and tribulations. Yeah, it's really tough out there. I mean, same in California, same in Oregon. I mean, I'm hearing all these stories about uh, farms that are it's hard for them to compete, you know. But what this goes back to what we were talking about before, because you know, um, you have to ask yourself. What is radical about growing outdoors? People are saying you're growing outdoors, and you could—I mean, you could get so much better indoors. You could—you could—you could control the environment better. You know, whatever they come up with, whatever rationale they come up with. But you have to go back and ask yourself, why were they growing indoors to begin with? What created that? What's really radical is that not growing outdoors. Growing outdoors is what we should be doing: sun-grown, organic, uh, regenerative. Uh, reducing climate change. This is how farming should be done. Um, I, I, it's it's hard to say because I don't know. It, it, a lot of times people just are going for what they'll look if they can get a joint for two or three dollars less, you know, or 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 pay. I don't I, I don't understand the business side. You know, my focus was this little farm. I really wanted to become an expert and to show the world what it is like for real people to start a farm what is like the life on the farm what it is like to get your hands in the soil um to uh, to figure out how you're going to make a decent product not just a decent product but an incredible award-winning product of, a, of incredible high level um yeah you know uh, what's happening with the different regulations I, i'm afraid that it's not going to be uh, you know a good situation for anyone until it's federally legal for everybody right well, I mean, I'm going to continue to push for more and more of this type of of, of production and farming uh, because that's what I want to smoke. And uh, I think that's what the connoisseur, the aficionado, the person who really cares, uh, that's, the, you know, that's who's going to support this type of thing. Now, if someone's interested in the book or finding out more information, uh, following you on social media, purchasing the book uh, for their coffee table, or their, uh, you know, bong and coffee table. <laughs> How can they find out more info and uh, and follow along with? Uh, because this book's only only been out for less than a month, I believe. So, uh, right. yeah. How can people find out more and, and get the book themselves? Well, go to the, my website. It's anamericancannabisstory.com, which it's the same name for my Instagram, an American Cannabis Story, and. Um, uh, you can go there. It's also available on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, 
and other booksellers online, also bookstores all over the country. Um, and uh, yeah, you can keep in touch that way. And uh, yeah, that's that's the best way to do it. And AmericanCannabisStory.com. Awesome. Well, David Goodman, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for sharing the book with us. And uh, thank you for continuing to spread the, you know, the word about uh, how this amazing plant, uh, this healing flower uh, is best produced and uh, telling this beautiful story, uh, the love story, the farm story, uh, and the story, I think, also of your uh, enlightenment as well as to where your cannabis comes from. I think that, you know, that enlightenment on, on your part is uh, illuminating for all the rest of us as well. Uh, and those of us who are, are cannabis lifers, as well as those people who are are just realizing uh, that there is this amazing plant that can help them. And uh, so thank you. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. This has been so much fun. I really enjoy talking to you, as I always do. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you so much. Right. Uh, Thanks check, a lot. Yeah. Check out anamericancannabisstory.com uh, and uh, at American, an American Cannabis Story on Instagram. Thank you uh, to Mr. Goodman, and we will be back with more after these messages. Hey friends, I just wanna let you know that friends don't let friends bring clones home. You don't know what the phenotypes are. You don't know whether there's pests or disease on those clones. The only way to really truly guarantee you're growing the phenotype of choice is through seeds. And the best way to get the seeds you want is through Seeds Here Now. Established way back in 2010, Seeds Here Now has been satisfying customers with the best genetics from the best breeders in the world. Pretty much anyone you want, they've got. With an average rating of 4.8 stars, Seeds Here Now is one of the most trusted and respected seed banks in the world. And Seeds Here Now is the only seed bank with a satisfaction guarantee. Plus, Seeds Here Now offers regular deals on seeds. Just click the On Sale tab on their website to see that month's deals on a variety of incredible genetics. And if you sign up for their email list, you'll be entered to win free seeds every time a Seeds Here Now email goes out. And Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the promo code GBY10 for 10% off anything on the site. So check out SeedsHereNow.com and get started on your own dream garden. All right. Welcome back. Thank you to David Goodman for the awesome uh, insight into his book. Please check that out uh, on Amazon or wherever you purchase books. It's called An American Cannabis Story, and it uh, chronicles an amazing cannabis farm. So uh, hope you guys check that out. And I believe it's been a fortnight. <laughs> and yes, this is a fortnight. Yes, this is a fortnight. Strain, Strain of the, the fortnight. What you yeah. got for us? Uh, what do you got for us this week? Strain, Strain of the, the fortnight. <laughs> Strain of the fortnight. Oh golly, I love that tune because it <laughs> means that we get to talk about our strain of the fortnight, and it has been a fortnight. So, so what strain do you have for us? Yes. Awesome. So the strain this fortnight is the Black Haze BX. And what BX means is back cross. 
Um, and this one is from Top Dog Seeds. So it's a black haze back cross, um, meaning basically uh, JJ, who we've had on the show, he took a black haze and basically crossed it with a black haze crossed with a black A5. So uh, if people know uh, their haze lineages, they know that the A5 is one of those classic New York, uh, you know, hazes. And uh, he crossed the black haze with the black A5. And then from the result of that crossed black haze with that. And that's what makes this a back cross. Um, and it's available from Top Dog Seeds. So that's another uh, awesome quality. Now, the thing you need to understand is it's pretty pricey. It's it's close to 250 bucks um, for a 12 pack. But these are regular seeds. So what you're going to get is, uh, is, first of all, hopefully you're going to get a great pheno. Um, and second of all, you're going to get a great mother plant. Now, you could just take these seeds and grow them out. And maybe you have six or seven, uh, you know, five, six, maybe seven uh, females out of the 12 pack. And then you flower those out and you get some great bud. Um, that's one thing you could do. Uh, but if I were going to spend this kind of money on 12 seeds, I would want to get a mother plant out of those and uh, grow it over and over again. And that's my recommendation to you. Now, um, you also get the free shipping with our code. So don't forget that um, from our friends at Seeds Here Now. Uh, but as far as describing the Black Haze BX, uh, it's an incredible, obviously it's sativa dominant. If, uh, you know, if you go for that, for that sort of thing, it's about 70 to 70, 75, 70 to 77 days of flowering, which isn't too long for a sativa, particularly a haze, um, but is definitely longer than the average hybrid. So keep that in mind. You're going to be going um, close to 10 or 10 or 11 weeks with this uh, just just for the flowering period. So you're going to want to have a decent uh, vegging time as well to get a nice yield out of this. Um, it's definitely an incredible strain. If you haven't smoked uh, black haze, uh, it's one of those hazes that New York City is known for, Cuban, Dominican, uh, the haze that you know you can buy uptown uh, and very unique, uh, very different. A lot of growers don't love to grow it because like I said, it takes a little longer, a little wispier, but what JJ's done here is actually um, tamed the haze a bit, you know, so it's less than the usual 12 or more weeks. It's uh, certainly has the incredible uh, potency of haze, which is very uplifting, very uh, cerebral, uh, elevated, inspirational. Um, and and the reason they call it a black haze also is because it's it's pretty dark looking once it's finished flowering as well. Um, and it gets darker along the way. Uh, it's really an amazing strain. And I highly recommend uh, if you're a Hayes fan, if you're a Sativa fan, um, to try it. Now, we we talk a lot about how the whole Sativa Indica thing is an oversimplification. So um, I will get into the terpene. Uh, the dominant terpene here is pinene for sure. Um, that fresh and sort of piney uh, forest aroma that you get from pinene, evergreen trees. Uh, all of that is definitely here. A lot of earthy, uh, resiny sort of uh, blend, you know, basically when you rub the stems, you feel that, uh, you smell that pine smell for sure. Uh, but there's also myrcene, uh, and that's going to add some balance uh, to the fragrance as well. It's going to be a little more herbal, uh, a little almost like cedar wood. Um, that's, I think, one of the reasons they call it church sometimes. Uh, these type of hazes is because it smells kind of like 
uh, almost like the incense that they have at church, like the frankincense. They call it Frankie's um, church. I think that has to do with uh, similarities to frankincense, to be honest. Um, as far as medicinally, pining and mercine are associated with uplifting mood, uh, reducing stress, anti-inflammatory properties as well. Uh, so this is a really good strain for people who are stressed out. And it seems like we all are these days and certainly great for uh, creative exploration as well, which uh, is for people like uh, in the creative space that are creators, uh, very, very helpful to exploring uh, the different effects. And, uh, and you know, not every idea that you're going to get is going to be amazing, but you will be flooded with a bunch of different ideas. And so if you're able to pick out the best ones, um, this is a great, amazing strain that you can immerse yourself in. Uh, and perfect daytime smoke as well uh, goes great in a, you know, the blunt wrap of your choice or the hemp wrap is what I would wrap it up in personally, because I'm not uh, so fond of the whole tobacco experience. But uh, I definitely highly recommend getting your, your hands on some of this Black Haze BX while it is still available. It is in stock right now at seedsherenow.com. It is pricey, but like I said, it's well worth it. Uh, and you're going to have something very, very unique. Uh, if you're from New York and you live elsewhere, this will really remind you of that uh, that Uptown Haze uh, that we know and love. So please uh, try out the Black Haze BX from Top Dog Seeds at uh, seedsherenow.com. All right, good stuff. BX, I would, I almost thought uh, maybe the Bronx, but okay. Good <laughs> hey, stuff. They, they do grow it in the Bronx as well, yeah. for sure. Uh, uh, and, you know, all over the world. But yes, Uptown, Manhattan, and the Bronx are the sort of birthplaces. Although, you know, if you ask the people there, it goes back to uh, Miami uh, and the uh, sort of Cuban and Dominican connections down there that were growing these, um, calling it, you know, creepies, calling it all kinds of different names uh, way back in the day. Uh, and I think, you know, ultimately it all goes back to uh, Super Silver Haze and Neville's Haze and a lot of those uh, Dutch hazes, because once those were pulled out of Holland and brought uh, to a climate like Florida, where there's high heat and high humidity, um, they adapt and acclimate to that. And you get those, uh, those real kind of almost kelpy uh, flavors and, and scents out of this. Some people hate it. You know, I got to mention that too. There's a lot of hate haze haters out there. And, and for them, you know, certainly there's lots of options to choose from. But if you're a haze lover, definitely try the Black Haze BX from Top Dog. And it's Top Dog D-A-W-G as well, if you're searching around um, for that. But I, you don't have to search far because like I said, Seeds Here Now dot com has it for sale right now and uh i don't know for how long they'll have it in stock because uh it goes fast even at that price there you go so yeah don't overcomplicate it just go to seeds here now our trusted uh sponsor sponsor of this show we appreciate them uh we appreciate you as well um before we move on i just want to say that was interesting about uh, the frankincense i didn't realize that i always wondered where uh, church and that kind of stuff came from so good to know um and our listeners know that each week you like to provide them with a tip that will help them become better cultivators so what would you like to discuss this week yeah so this week i want to discuss low stress training which is also uh shortened to just lst 
uh, not to be confused with LSD. Uh, I know the Grateful Dead or Dead & Co. were just uh, were just around. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of confusion out there. But uh, LST is low stress training. And uh, what this is, is basically a way uh, to get more out of your plants without stressing them out too much. Because there are higher stress versions of this type of training, including uh, manifold training, and even I would say screen of green to a certain extent um, is a little bit more of a of a stressful thing than low stress training, which basically just uh, is about slightly bending branches and 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 shoots. So um, you know the cannabis plant wants to grow like a Christmas tree with one main cola at the top. Uh, if you confuse the plant by bending that top cola, let's say after four, maybe five uh, sets of leaves or so, you want the plant to start to establish itself and have a few sets of leaves before you start any kind of training. But once it's got three or four sets, once it's about eight to 12 inches high or so, um, you can start this type of training. And what you're doing is just convincing the plant that that top branch is dead without killing it. And what happens is that the other branches uh, will start to become top colas uh, because they feel like that top branch is dead. And meanwhile, the top branch is still there as well. Um, you can top it, which is more of a high stress uh, technique, which is basically just topping. Uh, but why top it if you can bend it and still get the benefits of topping and keep that the strength of that um, that main cola? So rather than a Christmas tree, you get sort of a Hanukkah bush um, at its best. And what you're doing is um, you're keeping the plants short, which is very helpful indoors for sure. Uh, but even outdoors, if you got fences and things like that. Um, definitely helpful to keep the plants short and stocky. Um, it also creates a wider canopy uh, because you're you're tying down branches, you're pulling them away from each other. So they're getting more light, um, but you're spreading that plant out. Um, and how you do that basically is you start with that top cola with that. It's not a cola yet, obviously. You're still in the vegetative stage, but that top uh, of the plant um, and that top shoot, and you're bending it down so that it, actually is a slightly below um, where the other nodes are below it. So if there's an inch between nodes, you want to bend it down about an inch and a quarter or so. Um, there are clips that can help you do this out there that people 3D print. Um, there's simple ways like just weighing it down with a, a, a piece of uh, string. Although, you know, I don't really recommend string because string can cut the plant. What you really want to use, uh, in my opinion, is either the clips that I mentioned, like a plastic clip that just will keep it bent, or uh, some of these sort of special soft wire ties, um, which work really well uh, when the plant is very young, or uh, beyond that, twisty ties, um, but any kind of soft wire ties that can then expand. Because you got to imagine the, the, the plant is going to keep growing, um, the stem is going to thicken. And so if it's constricted by string or wire, uh, that's going to damage it. But if you can expand upon it and make it wider as the plant grows, uh, then you won't be stressing the plant out and it'll still remain low stress. Um, so the soft wire ties are definitely stronger than twisty ties, like the twisty ties you use to, to, to close a, a loaf of bread and to, in a bag or something. Those You can start with something like that when the plant is very young. But once you move up, you want some either the soft wire ties, uh, which are basically just like um, wire wires, but that they have like a soft coating on the outside that keeps them from digging into plant material. 
Uh, and basically, even just weighing down the plant, uh, I used to use uh, fishing lures, you know, heavy uh, weights that hold your fishing line underwater. You basically just tie those onto the lower branches, and those will pull the branches down enough so that they're getting more light uh, and actually building outwardly as well. So you're you're building the canopy in the middle, but you're also spreading the branches. You can use twist ties or ties to even uh, connect those branches to the outer edges of your container. Uh, you don't want to fix it to the ground because you won't be able to move the container. But if you fix them to uh, the rim or the edge of your your pot that you're planting your plants in, um, you can really weigh down those some of those branches and pull them down uh, and spread them out and get much, much bigger yields. And that's what this is all about. Um, low stress training is really about just getting the most out of each plant and maximizing yield. So uh, you do need to keep in mind um, that sometimes stems can get brittle and you can break them. Uh, if you do break one, it's no big deal. You can basically uh, tie it up, um, you know, fix it with some tape or whatever, and it should stay alive. They want to stay alive. So it'll try to find a way to, to heal itself if it breaks. If not, no big deal. If you're in the vegetative stage, it's going to create um, more tops either way. Uh, but you want to make sure that, you know, the, the stems are are soft rather than brittle. If they are brittle, that might be some type of a, a deficiency as well. So um, you want to look into that. But basically, any kind of tying down of the main branch uh, is part of low stress training. And then tying down all the secondary and tertiary branches also is part of low stress training. And I would even include screen of green, to be honest, because what you're doing is bending the plant into the, the uh, trellis netting that you're using and you're expanding the plant into areas where uh, light can reach the canopy and you'll get much bigger yields and bigger tops by using this technique. And uh, you mostly want to use this, obviously, during the vegetative stage. So if you've got plants outside right now, it's the perfect time uh, to weigh down some branches, uh, certainly weigh down the, that, that main branch if all you have is that one kind of top uh, and that will induce other branches to become tops. And you can get two, three, four, uh, in many cases, eight or nine or more tops uh, when you do this sort of thing. So it really does create a more wide and bushy plant. And again, now is the time if these plants are outside. Now, indoors, it also keeps the plant away from the light and keeps it from burning, which is really good. Uh, maintains a level canopy. If you have one plant taller than another, you can use LST low stress training technique to even it out so that the canopy is around the same height and the footprint of the light is reaching everything about the same. Uh, and this is how you get those really nice bushy plants that you see online with lots of tops uh, and you can get a lot more of a yield. So I highly recommend um, using LST. Uh, sometimes I recommend using LSD too, but uh, not for everyone, but I definitely recommend if you can, uh, tie down branches and uh, spread your plants out, you will certainly get a bit much bigger yield. And there are, if you search uh, online for the term LST, uh, you will see many different products that are out there. Um, the soft wire ties that I mentioned, which are great because uh, they, they, they're they bendable and they expand. The thing you have to remember is when you tie the branch down, it immediately wants to go back to the light. So even with these plastic clips, the plant will eventually 
pop the clip right off or it'll turn upwards and um, basically just have a bend there where you had the clip or where you weighed it down. So uh, it's a continual process of training and bending the plant. Um, you don't just do this once, you do this over a period of time to make sure that that plant expands and to make sure you get way bigger yields from each plant uh, and maximize each plant. Because especially if you have plant counts um, where you've got six plants per person or 12 plants per household or whatever it might be, you really want to get the most out of each one. Uh, and you want to fill up your entire canopy, whether it's in a tent, uh, outside or wherever you can. Um, so that's why I definitely recommend low stress training. And the reason I picked now uh, to talk about it is because now is the time uh, if you have plants outside uh, to really take advantage of this technique and increase and boost how much flower you're going to get in the end. All right. Excellent. Very good uh, tip there for everybody at home. Some low stress training. And uh, we're going to do a video at some point and put that out for everybody so that uh, they could see what you're talking about. We'll get to that in the near future. Yeah, um, I mean, that's that's even why I'm talking about it and why it's on my mind is because I'm doing that with my plants as we speak. So uh, I'm going to shoot a video uh, sometime in the next week or two, and we'll be putting that up first on Patreon and then eventually uh, out there for everyone. And that'll show you guys what I'm talking about as far as LST is concerned. All right. Excellent. Uh, so now it is time to take some questions from our listeners. And if you have a question, get in touch with us. The email, as always, is info at growbudyourself.com. You could also reach us on the socials, on Patreon, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, etc. So let's get things started, and um, let's let's begin with Jeremy, who writes, uh, "Hey guys, I put potted plants in tubs or bigger empty containers using a wicking system. I put enough water in the bigger containers so the soil can absorb it slowly. I harvested some plants this June using this method. The girls did well, even in the South Texas heat." Uh, thank you for the great wisdom. Have a great day. Also, can't wait for cannabis to become legal here in Texas. So yeah, uh, using this wicking system, Dan, uh, sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, no, that's a very, very great technique. Um, it's different from just putting a smaller plant in a larger container and filling that container with water, because uh, when plants sit in standing water, uh, they can they can get root rot and things like that if it's you know over an hour or two where they just sit in water. Um, but if, if if you're wicking, you're actually using a rope or some type of a wick that actually is connected to the water in the larger container. Uh, but the plant itself is above that, and uh, the the rope or the wick is going into the bottom of the smaller container. And so therefore, the plant is pulling up whatever water it needs, but not sitting in the standing water. Um, this is a great technique. Uh, it's great, actually, to, to fend off things like fungus gnats, which tend to live in the top couple of inches of your soil uh, if it stays moist. This way, those top few inches don't really stay moist in that same way because the plant is pulling moisture up through the roots um, and wicking the, the moisture up uh, from through the bottom of the container. And this also allows the roots to search, dig deeper and, and go further down into your container and helps the plant get bigger and helps the roots find more and more uh, different air pockets and, and nutrient material. Um, and you really, you want this for plants, actually. You want the plants to dig for water. Uh, that's what they would do naturally outdoors. And that's how you get a stronger, bigger root system. Um, if you're constantly top watering plants, 
uh, the roots really don't dig deep and you don't get as big of a plant in that case. Um, so this wicking thing is great, particularly as he mentioned in a place with a lot of heat as well, um, like South Texas. Uh, certainly will keep the plants cooler and keep them happier and healthier. They'll pull up water when they need it. They won't pull up water when they don't need it. So uh, it's a great way to water your plants. I've even heard and visited people who were growing plants this way in swampy areas um, where they had the plants above the swampy area, but used a wick down into the swampy area and they never had to water their plants all year. They just planted them at the beginning of the you know spring and came back and harvested them in the fall and uh, the plants pulled up whatever water they needed this uh, i've seen in uh, vancouver island and other parts of the world where there's um, these geographical uh, swamps in mountains and things like that and it's a wonderful amazing way uh, to gorilla grow or also to grow any in any way it's 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 you know basically like hydroponics for soil um, the plant gets whatever water it needs when it needs it, uh, but you're not overwatering at the same time. So um, that's great. I can't wait till cannabis is legal in Texas myself. So uh, thanks, Jeremy, for the great tip. And thanks for listening. It sounds crazy, but uh, it, the the states that are legalizing cannabis right now, Texas very well could uh, could join the club. So let's keep our fingers crossed there. And thank you, Jeremy. Let's move on to Gunja Gonzalez, the gentleman who uh, who made that uh, strain of the Fortnite tune that we heard just a short while ago. And Gunja writes, dear Danny and Mike, I have a short question, which maybe is not that easy to answer. I'm going to be some days on vacation and realize that my current grow most probably will finish while I'm away. I have a trusted friend for watering, but he has no experience in harvesting. So is there a way to prolong the flowering phase? One week will suffice, thanks in advance. What would you say here to Gunja? Yeah, I mean, I would say I would just take the extra week. Uh, plant's not going to mature too much in 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 a, a week's time. Uh, it's not going to over mature, I would say. So I would just have your friend who's familiar with watering, just use plain water for that week. Um, it'll give you an extra week of flushing time. And sometimes when plants uh, go a little longer, um, they end up with a, a more of a, a lethargic effect, uh, a little bit more of that CBD and THC converts to CBN, uh, which can help with things like insomnia, help people sleep, um, help with, uh, you know, just sitting on the couch playing some video games and that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, even Soma would, would always say, uh, when you think your plants are ready, wait one week. Um, so I do think that, uh, oh, you know, a week will suffice and enjoy your vacation and uh, get ready to come home and harvest basically as soon as you're back. And I think uh, you'll be fine. And thanks as always for the amazing song and uh, keep up the great work. Indeed. Thank you, Gunja. We do appreciate that. And uh, let's do one more here. This actually is from Facebook, comes from Troy K. He writes, uh, first off, I'm a longtime fan. I grew up reading my cousins and my big brother's copies of High Times throughout the 2000s. I'm a Marine Corps Afghan vet who aspires to form one of the first legal medical collectives in Illinois. My best friend from childhood taught me how to grow big dope, and we want to see the big corporate bud companies fuck off because I fought for motherfucking freedom to grow big dope in America and everywhere in the world. 
myself and my mentor would like to speak to you all sometime. Thank you for uh, being down for the cause. And then he sent um, a photo saying that this was his second grow last year. Uh, it was six outdoor. Um, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for pioneers like you all. So thank you. Grow bud yourself is the shit I went to war for personally. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. What, do you, what yeah. would you say to Troy? Yeah, I mean, just keep up the great work. I think, uh, you know, hopefully you do get to form one of the first legal medical collectives in Illinois. I will be uh, in uh, Western Michigan this weekend at the uh, Legacy Michigan event. I'm flying into Chicago, so um, maybe maybe you can come by there and say hello. Uh, you said you'd love to speak to us, so uh, I will be there. Uh, I want to thank you for your service. Uh, serving in the Marine Corps in Afghanistan was, I'm sure, not easy. Um, and the fact that you said you went to war for, for grow bud yourself is pretty freaking amazing to me. And I truly appreciate it. Um, so thank you so much and good luck. And I agree with you on, uh, you know, corporate cannabis. I think, you know, it's up to us, uh, to vote with our pocketbooks and, and buy the cannabis and grow the cannabis we love, um, and let the corporations deal with the booth and, uh, the people who want that. So, uh, Amazing. Appreciate it. And thank you for your service. Yes, indeed. Uh, absolutely. Thank you, Troy. Uh, that's all the time we have here for the cultivation segment. Uh, but thanks to everyone who wrote in. And if you have a question you would like answered on the show, do get in touch with us. Our email, once again, is info at growbudyourself.com. And you can, of course, get us on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. And of course, if you join Patreon, that's a great way to do it, too. What do you say? You and I take a short break, come back, and then wrap this sucker up. Let's do it. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. Uh, DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right, welcome back. This is The Wrap. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. Thank you to our guest, David Goodman. Check out his book, An American Cannabis Story, uh, about that amazing Puffin Farms. Uh, thanks to you guys for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Seeds Here Now, Prime Superior Inoculant, Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients, and Excelsior Extracts. Please support them, you guys. Um, use the codes if you can. That shows them that you're finding out about them from us. And you're getting a good deal from from uh, from them as well. And Patreon, I highly suggest, please join us on Patreon, even if it's just at the $4.20 per month level. Uh, that really helps us out. It's a way for you to support us um, directly. Uh, and we've got lots of deals there for you. You know, there's lots of free stuff that you get uh, when you sign up. So, and there's different levels. There's the $4.20 a month. There's 10 bucks. There's... 20 bucks and I think even a $42 level where you get a free signed copy of my book and 
quarts of nutrients and and sweet leaf gear and all kinds of cool stuff from our sponsors. So uh, please join us at patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Um, thanks as always to you, Mike, uh, as co-host and producer, and, uh, we couldn't do it without you guys, the listeners. Um, so thank you guys. We'll be back with episode 118 in the very near future. In the meantime, uh, keep your plants and your friends and family happy out there and cool as well, because it can get hot. Um, and unflooded if you can as well because it can get pretty floody out there uh, particularly near where we are so anyway without further ado uh, this is episode number 117 and let's put it in the books <laughs>